Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast in the series, Simplify. Our big idea today is follow the right strategy for conquering your fears. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Well, good morning and welcome to Valley Point Church. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. And I've been gone for a couple of weeks, so I feel like I have to reintroduce myself. And I want to let you know, it is great to see you. So as a family, we had the chance to get away and relax a little bit on the beach and the boardwalk down the shore. But whenever we're not here, I really miss this. And so it's great to be back. And I feel refreshed and I'm relaxed, so much so that you can expect about a two-hour talk today. I got all this stuff pent up inside And I'm excited about sharing it with you. So you've chosen a great day to be here. You've been in good hands for the past couple of weeks. And I want to thank Gus and Ben for helping us think about how we can simplify our lives. And that is the name of our summer series, Simplify. And we're talking about this because life does not simplify itself. It just doesn't do that. If anything, it has a way of becoming more and more complex and busy. So we got to take charge. We have to be the ones to choose to simplify life. And so what we've been doing over our summer here is just rolling out some biblical, practical thoughts on how we can do that as we prepare for a new season in front of us. And so what I'd like to do is just review for a bit. Here's what we've covered so far. In week one, we talked about replenishing your energy reserves. And the greatest way we can do that is time with Jesus. Because he is the one who fills, and he is the one who replenishes, and he is the one who rejuvenates us. Now, that's easy to say, kind of hard to do. We've got to be disciplined, and we have to be ready to put other things aside so that we can have our time with Christ so that he can replenish our energy reserves. In week two of the series, then, we talked about harnessing the power of your calendar. And one of the holiest endeavors that you can undertake is to wrestle with your weekly calendar and to run it through the grid of this question. What would it look like if God were in control of my calendar and my schedule? Are there some things that I might need to increase in order to reflect that priority? Or are there some things that I might need to do away with in order to reflect a schedule where God is in control? And again, I believe this is a very holy endeavor. Now, we don't normally think of spending time with our calendar as a holy thing, but it really is, especially when we run it through that question. Does my calendar reflect a God who is in control? And I would encourage everybody here and challenge you to wrestle with your weekly calendar because the things that are there will reflect either God's in control or I am. In week three of the series, we talked about mastering your finances and how we can move from broken and scattered to whole and healthy when it comes to our finances And then in week four, we talked about refining your working world and how even work can be something that we can simplify. And then last week, we talked about making room for forgiveness. 
I would encourage you, if you have missed any of these conversations, go to our website, valleypointchurch.com, look for the podcast, and listen. And I think it will be time well spent. That brings us to today, and here's our big idea, here's what I want to spend our time thinking about today, and that is follow the right strategy for conquering your fears. Follow the right strategy. So there is a wrong strategy for conquering the fears that lie beneath the surface of our lives. There is a wrong way to do that. We want to talk about how we can follow the right strategy for conquering all of these fears that lie beneath. So today, we're going to talk about our fears. And we all have them. Every single person here has fears. It's what we do with them that matters. And we can do something with them that will either complicate life or will simplify our lives. And so we want to talk about a strategy for conquering the fears that lie beneath that we all have. So there are many different paragraphs of scripture that talk about fear. I want to look at four today. And then we're going to take time to really dive into one and unpack it and look at different words and discover what it has to say. So here's what the scripture says. And out of respect for God and his word, will you stand with me as we read? Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 says this, May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his, what's the word, church? Peace. Peace. Yeah, and that word peace there comes from the Hebrew word shalom. So we could actually read that this way. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his shalom. His peace. I want to jump to the New Testament now, and we're going to look at a couple of different verses where Jesus himself is speaking. And he's talking to people, and here's what he says in John 14, verse 27. The words of Christ. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. And the words peace there come from the Greek word irene. So we have two kind of words here in scripture for peace. You have the Hebrew word shalom and then the Greek word irene. And we'll discover what that means in just a moment. So here in John chapter 16, Jesus is still speaking. And he says this, I have told you all this so that you may have, what's the word church? Peace. Peace. Irene, same word. So I have told you this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many trials and sorrows. So we know that to be true, right? But take heart. Here's the good news. I have overcome the world. And then in Philippians chapter 4, a couple of verses, verses 6 and 7, here's what it says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then, after all of that, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace 
will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And again, the words peace in Philippians chapter 4, it's the Greek word irene. Okay, what's the common word, class, that we find in these four pieces of Scripture? What's the common word? Peace. Peace. Guess what? There's something that God wants each and every one of us to experience. And that's true for you, and it's true for me. There's something that he wants us to enjoy. Shalom. Irene. And this is how God wants us to live. Let's think about that, okay? You may be seated. I want to take a few moments and kind of dig into these words, shalom and irene. At root, shalom means wholeness or well-being, and it implies an absence of conflict. Shalom back in the day was also a common greeting. You could say it as a hello or even as a goodbye. Hey, great to see you today. Shalom. Or we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. And it was just a wonderful greeting. And again, it implies the absence of conflict. That's shalom. Make sense? In the New Testament, the Greek word for peace, irene, is used to express the absence of strife among individuals or nations. And so it's a bit more personal than the word shalom, but they basically mean the same thing. Shalom and irene. It's an absence of strife or an absence of conflict. It means peace. Now, all of that to say this. There is something that God wants for you. There's something that God wants for me. And if this is all that you take away from today, that's okay. Because this is a really good thing that God wants for us. God's preferred state for his creation is that we would live free from destructive fear and enjoy shalom and irene. That's what God wants for us. Question. Does that describe the current reality of your life? Or are there underlying fears that lurk that are kind of eating away at you? I want you to think about this. If fear runs rampant below the surface, we're in danger of collapsing. And that's exactly what will happen in time. If fear is running rampant, And these are things that we can hide from other people, so nobody else may know, but eventually it catches up with us. So if destructive fear is running rampant below the surface, at some point we will collapse. And so if we're going to simplify, we've got to persistently eradicate these pockets of fear that rise within us. Which sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah, let's just eradicate fear. That's what I need to do. These destructive fears below the surface, I just need to get rid of these pockets that lurk within me. That's exactly what I need to do. But when you begin to think about the different fears that we experience and we live with that are real, that sneak up and punch us in the gut, these are some really intense, frightening things. So let's think about some fears. I actually came up with a list and wrote a few things down. These might be true of you. It's going to be different for all of us, but I think these are some true, potentially destructive fears. Let's think about this list. What about financial pressure and tension? 
Will I have enough to survive? Will there be enough for me? And can I make it for the long haul financially? That's a real fear that lurks below the surface. What about relational breakdowns? Maybe that's in your home or at work and something has fallen apart and it would just appear that there's no hope of a recovery. And the fear of what that looks like and what that means and how do you take next steps and how do you move forward. That's a real fear underneath the surface. What about death? That's kind of a scary thing, isn't it? And I don't think we necessarily fear death itself because we know that's coming. It's the process of getting there. That's kind of scary. And what does that look like for me? And what does that look like for the people that I love? Getting to death is kind of a frightening thing that lurks below the surface. Or maybe you have a major transition in life that you're working through right now. Or one that you know is coming and you feel that fear is just invading. And perhaps you had a moment of shalom or even a season of that where you felt great and calm and these destructive fears weren't lurking below the surface and you were really confident and strong, but then something just invaded. It snuck up on you and it punched you in the gut and now you feel that you have no peace. And again, these fears lurk below the surface. What do you do? You're supposed to just barrel through all tough guy and everything or... Do you just resign yourself to a low-grade level of fear that is now the new normal? What do you do? How do you respond to this? Well, I think this is what we need to do. We've got to stand up and fight. That's what we have to do. With these fears that surface within us, we've got to stand up and fight, but we've got to fight smart. And we've got to fight with the right tools. And so what I want to provide today is a set of tools that I think will help us overcome these destructive fears in our lives. Before we get into these specific tools, I'd like to take a few moments, though, and just think about fear. And there's really two different types of fear. Some fear is actually good for us, and and we can benefit from that, and then there is other fear that is not so good. So let's think about fear for a moment, and it's interesting... Because some fear is constructive. It's good for us. It puts us on high alert. And it makes us aware of the consequences. It might even be constructed to the point that it changes our behavior. And we begin to line up as to avoid that potential fear. That actually can be very constructive. So some fear is actually good for us. Let me give you a few examples. If you have ever been able to successfully avoid a temptation in your life because you were fearful of the harm that it would cause to you and to the people around you, well, that is a constructive fear. Again, you're on high alert and you're aware of the consequences That's a constructive thing. That's a good thing inside of you. Let me give you a few other examples. If you don't pay your taxes, 
right? You get a knock on the door or you get a phone call and that's going to be really ugly. And so we file our taxes and we give what we're supposed to give. That is a constructive fear that moves our behavior in the right direction. What about flying down the highway at high rates of speed way beyond what is suggested on the signs? Right? That constructive fear. Uh, maybe those signs aren't suggestions. I'm not sure. But you get the idea. If you do that, you're going to pay a high price for that. That's a constructive fear that actually changes your behavior. Students. Let me talk to you. I know you're not in school right now, so you don't want to think about this. But when you have a test to take, you may have a constructive fear inside of you that you don't want to fail that thing. And so that constructive fear drives you to study just a little bit more so that you get the kind of grade that you want. That's a good thing. That puts you on high alert and you're aware of the consequences. That's a real constructive fear. That's a good thing. I have a fear of fixing things. And I've talked to you about this before. I'm just not good at it. Whenever I try to fix stuff at the house, I end up making a bigger mess, and I don't have the right tools, and then it's actually more expensive than what it initially was. And so I feel that's a constructive fear. I just don't fix things anymore. I don't even bother. I find highly qualified individuals who love to do that and are very good at it, and they get it right the first time. Now, that might be laziness. I'm not sure, but you get the picture. I think that's a constructive fear. Let me give you one other example of a constructive fear. How about sharks? Right, I think that's a constructive fear that puts you on high alert, that makes you aware of the circumstances around you, that changes your behavior. So last week, we were at a beach, and I'm not going to tell you which one so as not to upset you if that happens to be your favorite place, but we were there having a great time. It was a glorious day, right? The sun is up. The umbrellas are out. The water feels marvelous. We're having a wonderful time. And all of a sudden, the lifeguards get a little crazy, and they start blowing their whistles, and they're waving everybody out of the water. And so everybody comes up out of the water and gathers around the little, life, uh, the little lifeguard hut thing there, and the lifeguards begin to talk. And they're like, we have been observing some brown sharks and they are getting a little bit closer to where people are swimming, so we're going to need you to stay out of the water for a little bit. So everybody's like, all right, we'll stay out of the water, and they go back to their little umbrellas, and they sit down, and they have a good time. But I begin to look around, thinking, this is kind of bizarre to me. Who's actually observing the brown sharks? The 12-year-old lifeguards? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. And there's no helicopter in the sky. There are no boats out there. Who is actually observing the marine life that is getting a little too close to live human beings? I don't think anybody was actually looking at it. So to make matters worse, we had a pair of binoculars with us. At one point, the lifeguards asked to borrow our binoculars to look out into the ocean. And I'm like, this is not good at all. This is just not good. And after about 30 minutes, they blew their whistles and said everybody can go back into the water. The brown sharks have moved on to another street because apparently we're just not tasty enough. And everybody ran back into the water, including my kids. But not me. <laughs> not me. 
because I have a constructive fear of being attacked by sharks, and I wasn't going to let that happen on that particular day. Some fears can be very good and constructive for us. They put us on high alert. They make us very aware of the circumstances around us, and they actually can change our behavior in a very good way. Now, there's another type of fear, though, that is not so good, and that is a destructive fear. And these are the types of fear that don't really put us on high alert, and they don't change our behavior. They cause us to become frozen, and we lose confidence and all joy And we lose peace, and these things bubble on the inside, and we don't know how to proceed. We don't know how to take next steps. Real destructive fears. And here's the danger of a destructive fear. It actually keeps us from acting the way that God wants us to act. Which means, when destructive fear dominates inside of us, below the surface... We will not be fulfilling the purposes that God has designed for us. And that is never a good place to be. So what kind of destructive fear is popping into your mind right now that you're struggling with and that you're battling with right now? And maybe other people know about it. Maybe nobody does, but it's there. And it's causing you to be a bit stuck and frozen and missing out on fulfilling God's purposes for you. What do we do with all of this? What's your destructive fear? I want you to think about that right now as we go back to one of the paragraphs that we already read and begin to look at some tools that God has given to us in Scripture to walk through all of this. So here's our healthy understanding of what Scripture tells us to do about these destructive fears that lurk below and keep us from living the way God wants us to live. Philippians chapter 4, two verses, let's read it again. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Then, here's what will happen. Here's the deal. You're going to experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So what I want to do is I want to lift out four tools that are found right here in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to pull it right out of the text. And we're going to discover how we can overcome destructive fears with the right kind of strategy. Now, before I share these tools, as we walk through this, many of you are going to say, that doesn't work. That's not going to happen. It's way too simple. And the destructive fears that are bubbling below the surface in me are much more complicated than that. So this isn't going to work. Way too simple. Well, I would suggest to you that this strategy can work, and it has worked. Often we don't put these four steps together. We don't line them up. We may pick a couple of them or even three of them, but we don't run the four steps together. When we do that, I believe God will honor his word and we'll be able to have some victory over these destructive fears. So let me pull these four steps right out of Philippians chapter 4. Here we go. Step number one, 
or tool number one. Don't worry. (laughs) Which is really easy to say, right? So this is the thing that causes all of these fears to bubble inside. God tells us, there's something I want you to put off. There's something I actually want you to stop in this process. And what I want you to put off is I want you to stop the worrying. Which brings us to step number two, and that is replace it with prayer. See, Scripture is amazing. Because over and over again, when you read, you discover things like, stop doing that, or don't, or put that off. And then what we discover is God brilliantly always tells us what we need to put on in its place. Right? Like, it's not enough just to stop doing something. We have to replace that with good behavior or a very good and healthy, even biblical habit. And scripture tells us over and over again, put this off, and in its place, I want you to put this on. And that's what we have here in verse 6. Put off worry, and in its place, put on prayer. What kind of prayer? Because that makes a difference. Step number three. Tell God what you need. And that's the kind of prayer. So stop worrying, put that off. In its place, put on prayer. What kind of prayer? Well, we got to tell God exactly what we need. And I don't know if we always do that. I think sometimes we might be a bit too general with what we ask of God when he invites us consistently to step into his presence with confidence and boldly ask for what we need. We're actually invited to do that. And if you're anything like me, sometimes I just don't do that. So let's kind of pause here for a moment and think about a story in Scripture that speaks directly to this. Ask God for what you need and come boldly and with confidence. The early church, as it was being established and built, had a tremendous amount of challenges. They were arrested, persecuted, they were beaten up, they were violated in every way possible. It was a very tough environment to do church. One of the early church leaders' name was Peter. Peter's trying to build the church, and he's trying to be obedient to Christ and fulfill the great commission and go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ came and he died and he rose again paying the price for our sins. And Peter was just having a great time doing that in the middle of all of this persecution and opposition. Well, what we discover in the book of Acts is eventually some officials came to Peter and said, look, Peter, we have a problem with what you're saying and we would like for you to stop talking about Jesus so much. Like, just knock it off. And maybe you can do some of these other things, but you got to stop talking about Christ. No more. And Peter looked at them and said, "Um, can't do that. And I'm not going to stop. Because this is what he specifically asked of me. And so Peter went about his business. He continued to speak about the gospel. Well, eventually the officials became tired of all of that and they arrested him and they put 16 soldiers around him, 16 professional trained soldiers. And so when you think about Peter, he's just this pastor, he's this missionary guy, he's trying to do what God wants him to do, now he's toast, right? 
Like he's not getting away from 16 soldiers. But what we discover in Acts chapter 12 is that a group of people got together to pray. It was the church. And they started to pray about what was happening to Peter. And it's interesting because Acts chapter 12 tells us that they prayed earnestly, which that word means they prayed intently and they didn't stop praying for some very specific things. So they're like earnest in this prayer. They are intense about what they're praying. And what do you think they were praying for? For Peter to have a good day? I don't think so. For Peter to get along with the 16 new friends? No, I don't think so. I think they boldly and confidently stepped before God and said, God, we've got to get Peter the heck out of that prison because he's a whole lot better on the outside than what he is on the inside. And we need him helping us move the gospel forward. And so they confidently and boldly stepped before God and said, here is exactly what we need. And they got it. Peter was released and the gospel moved forward and the church as an organization continued to grow. So as you think about these destructive fears in your life and eradicating them, getting rid of them, like tell God exactly what you need in order to do that. And come with confidence and come in a bold way. Step before him and don't be afraid to ask. This is what we're asked to do here. So don't worry. Don't do that. Put that off in its place. Put on prayer. And what kind of prayer? Well, tell God exactly what you need with confidence. Here's the final step. Number four. Then thank him for what he has done for you. Here's the interesting thing about that. We've got to do that before we really get an answer. And I think sometimes, if you're like me, this is often where we fall short. Like we might be really good about coming to God when we're stuck on the side of the road and we're overwhelmed and we've been pushed to the edges. We're really good about crying out to God there. And maybe we're even pretty good about being specific. But then we kind of fall short on the thanking God for what he has done for me. And the reminder we have here in this toolbox of principles is let's do all of that. Let's put off worry. Let's put on prayer. Let's put on telling God specifically what we need. And then let's not forget to thank him for what he has done for us. Now, if we do all of that, steps one through four, here's the promise. Here's the good news. Look at verse seven one more time. Then then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, and his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This is what God says to do. So in a unique way, this really becomes a matter of obedience. Will I obey God and follow the prescription that he provides And will I put in place and use the tools that he has given? Or will I try to figure this out on my own? These underlying fears that lurk beneath. Or am I just going to be obedient to what God says here? I think when we're obedient, God actually helps us. And he honors his word. Let me share a couple of takeaways with you. Number one, name your fear. 
Just name it. Know it. What is that fear? And maybe you're coming to terms with that even as we walk through this conversation. I would encourage you to do more than just think about this. I'd encourage you in your program, write that down. Or as you go home today, journal a bit and think about these destructive fears that keep you frozen and stuck and from accomplishing the purposes that God has for you. We've got to overcome this stuff. I actually put together my own list. Because as I put this talk together, I'm like, I'm the pastor. I don't have any fear in my life. You know, that type of spiritual nonsense. So I actually began to think, what are the fears below the surface for me? And I started to think and pray, and I actually came up with a list of seven different things. Shocked me. Stuff that I wasn't aware of. Real things keeping me from accomplishing the purposes that God has specifically for me. Seven different things. And it's not really possible for me or for you to experience shalom or irony until we know what our fears are and begin the process of working through them. So that's what I'm starting to do. So name your fear, know it. And I would encourage you to take that list, give it to somebody that you trust, and ask them to help you and to pray for you and to hold you accountable as you seek to take care of and eradicate these destructive fears in your life. Name your fear. Secondly, follow the strategy in Philippians chapter 4 for overcoming your fears. And let me review it one more time. Don't worry, pray, Tell God what you need, and then thank him for what he has done. If you're like me, sometimes I do a couple of those steps. I do. But it's not very often where I work one through four, and then do it again, and do it again, and do it again, until God shows up for me. And so I want to encourage you, as simple as that looks and as that sounds, work all four steps, and just watch. Just watch what God does in your life to help you eradicate some of these fears. So this week, whatever comes your way, and I don't know what's going to happen to you, and you don't either. Maybe you know a few things that are coming, and that fear is bubbling inside. But maybe you're walking through a season of shalom or irene right now, and that feels really good. We don't know what's going to happen this week. So no matter what happens, no matter what takes place inside of us, let's follow the right strategy for conquering our fears. Father, we're so grateful for these different paragraphs of Scripture that really do a great job of helping us understand what you want for us. And God, specifically, we've taken time to look at Philippians chapter 4 and dig into these words. And there's some amazing truth found here. And I pray that you do a work inside of each and every one of us, that we would name our fears. God, help me to take that step, and help everybody here to do the same thing, that we would just know exactly what they are. And then, God, help us to follow that strategy that is outlined for us in Philippians chapter 4, these four steps to not worry, to put on prayer in its place, and God, to put on a very specific kind of prayer, a prayer that boldly approaches you and asks for what we need to overcome that fear. And then, God, 
Help us to thank you for what you have done for us. God, we often neglect that piece, but you have worked in our lives. There are things that we can point to to say, that's what God did. That's what God accomplished. And we've got to go back to that and thank you for those moments and then anticipate and trust that you will do it again and wait patiently for you as we work through these destructive fears. So God, help us to walk this way. Help us to be obedient to you. Help us to put off other things that aren't functioning, aren't working in regards to this and really run your plan for us. God, we know because this is what you say. Then we will experience your peace. And God, I know this is what you want for each and every one of us in here today. So God, over this whole room, I just pray that you would help us to live in your peace and to eradicate these fears that are destructive and potentially will cause us to collapse. Help us to live this way. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School from 9.15 or 11 a.m.